the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Chairman of the Judiciary Committee, also a member of the Oversight Committee, uh, Congressman Jim Jordan joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, with the reaction to that and so much more. Congressman, good morning. How was your weekend? It was good, Bob. How about, how about you? Doing very well. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. So let's start there. Uh, first of all, if you'd yep. like just to give me, you know, when you and I spoke last week, you um, this is right before uh, the vote for Speaker Johnson, mm-hmm. who is now Speaker Johnson, and you obviously yeah. issued an enthusiastic support and endorsement of him as Speaker. Um, he got every vote that was needed. What was the difference, do you think? You and he are very similar ideologically and in terms of the things you have worked on in Congress and in terms of the investigative committees that you both serve on. Um, you couldn't get the numbers. He got the numbers. What was the difference? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I, I do know Mike Johnson is a is a good man, solid man, Christian man, uh, the kind of guy you want in public service, and frankly, a good friend. And as uh, as Mike was just talking about, uh, you know, member of the Judiciary Committee um, has argued cases in front of the Supreme Court. I think he's already off to a great start, and I think he's going to do an outstanding job as as Speaker of the House. Um, I do think the first question I would ask Hunter Biden, though, Bob, if we get him in front of our, the committee, is I would ask him about that meeting in Dubai where the, the executives from Burisma say, we're under pressure, can you help? Devin Archer, when we deposed him, his business partner was at that same meeting, and he says, what did Hunter Biden do when he asked that question? He called his dad. I want to I get right into that thing, because that was what started back in 2015 when, they, when, they, when, when Joe Biden decided he was going to go after the, uh, the prosecutor who was putting the pressure on the Burisma executives, and of course Hunter Biden was getting paid millions of dollars from that company, Burisma. So that's right where I would start. I go right to that 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 fact pattern uh, of what happened there because that was that was the big guy quote getting involved directly as, as a way to benefit his family. Can you talk a little bit more about the money? Because uh, as Maria Bartiromo said to uh, the new speaker there, bank records don't lie. Uh, uh, Chairman Comer of Oversight has repeatedly talked about bank records. You've talked about bank records. What do the bank records show? They show well, the, 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 in, in, a, in a broad sense, they show multiple shell companies running this money through you know, uh, the, the various companies. They show multiple Biden family members getting paid after the money was moved through these companies over and over again, um, and it's and it's and it's a lot of money. It's twenty some million dollars over the time period. And and the brand, of course, was Joe Biden. It was the influence peddling that was being that was that was what they did. That was what the, that, that that was the that was the business operation there. So it's it's all that. And then you get into some of the specifics where. You have the two hundred thousand dollar loan repayment check that just came out two weeks ago. So all that, when you couple it with with the Barisma facts that that I, we've talked about, I think shows just how serious this influence peddling operation was, and it's why we continue to look at it, and it's why we're we're going to talk to more of 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 uh, Hunter Biden's business partners partners, and then ultimately, as uh, Chairman Comer and Speaker Johnson have talked about, I think we will ultimately talk with Hunter Biden. You uh, brought up the $200,000 check with Joe Biden's name on it uh, that kind of flew around the Internet a couple of weeks ago. Um, I want to read a quote from 
The attorney for James Biden, Paul Fishman, said the Oversight Committee's description of the $200,000 check is highly selective and misleading. The committee has the bank documents that show both the loan Jim received from his brother in January of 2018 and the repayment by check six weeks later. At no time did Jim involve his brother in any of his business relationships. Um, what's your response to him? Well, the, the also the same day he sends the two hundred that, that James Biden sends the two hundred thousand dollars check to Joe Biden. The same day that that this this company AmeriCorps that they, that's going bankrupt that he says you know you pay me I'll help get investors to get you back on your feet company they pay James Biden money that same day is when he sends the money to um, to Joe Biden. So I think that's that's pretty telling in and of itself. So the, it, the, the, what the, the what James Biden lawyer conveyed there wasn't the full story because it's AmeriCorps paying James Biden the very same day. That two hundred thousand goes in his account, then it goes to, to Joe Biden. Um, those are the kind of things we got to we got to continue, I think, to dig into. But more importantly, what are just as important, what we're doing on our committee is we're looking at the way the investigation was handled, the way the government handled this investigation. And we found out a week ago that uh, Scott Brady, the U.S. attorney in the um, in the Western District of Pennsylvania, who was tasked by Bill Barr, then Attorney General, on January 3rd, 2020, to be the clearinghouse for all Ukraine and Hunter Biden-related information. He, he gets tasked with that job. He then talks to the FBI, says, give me the information. I'll look at it. We'll get it to the right U.S. attorney. And the FBI doesn't tell him about the confidential human source for six months. And more importantly, the FBI never, ever, ever tells him about the laptop. He finds out about the laptop when it's in the news like you and I found out about it. That's how, that's how bad, that's how wrong... The government handled this investigation as a way, I believe, to protect uh, the, quote, big guy. So you believe, then, that uh, under Speaker Johnson's leadership now, the same investigations are going to continue forward? Yes, I do. Including, I do. Impeach- and, including, including the impeachment inquiry that uh, Speaker McCarthy launched? Yes, I, I do, and it, and it needs to because the facts, the evidence, warrants that kind of focused uh, oversight which is, again, part of our constitutional duties as members of Congress is to do oversight of the executive branch. And when you see that uh, the way the Justice Department, the FBI, handled this investigation, uh, we have uh, Mr. Weiss coming in next week on the 7th for uh, a, a long deposition, I'm sure, and we'll be asking him all kinds of questions. But we've talked to Mr. Estrada, the U.S. Attorney from the Central District of California. We've talked to Mr. Graves, the U.S. Attorney from the District of Columbia. And we've talked to Scott Brady a week ago Monday uh, we can go today on the um, uh, on the uh, his job that he was tasked by the U.S. attorney by, by the attorney general to do uh, regarding the Hunter Biden investigation. Uh, we're talking with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, the chairman of the uh, House Judiciary Committee, among other uh, roles that he plays. Uh, one week from tomorrow is a big day here in Ohio because we have an issue, uh, actually a yep. couple of a uh, couple of very important uh, uh, constitutional amendments to consider. But it's a big day for you too because one week from tomorrow is David Weiss Day, right? Yep. Yep. Can you exactly tell us? Right can, yeah. Tell us. Tell us yeah. what you tell us what you plan to discuss with uh, with Attorney Weiss. Well, it, it started from remember he told us three different stories back uh, in, in, in this past summer. He told us that on on June seventh he had complete authority to determine when, where, and whether to bring charges. Then he writes me three weeks later and says, "Well, I don't really have full authority. My authority is limited to my U.S. Attorney's District in Delaware. So you know, obviously, it can't be both. He can't tell us one thing and then turn around through and say, well, that's actually not the case.'" <laughs> And then he writes Senator Graham uh, two weeks after that and, and says, uh, you know, I wish to clarify, which is, you know, always important when these guys want to clarify. I wish to clarify. He said, uh, while I don't have full authority, I've, I've had discussions with the people at Maine Justice, 
regarding what I can do, where I can bring charges. And they've, they've, they've told me that if I need authority, I can have it. So three different things he told us in literally 33 days. And as I always point out, the, the, the story that's never changed, the testimony that's never changed, has been the whistleblowers, Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler, who came forward. So we're going to ask Mr. Weiss about this, like we asked uh, the Attorney General, Mr. Garland, when he was in front of our committee a few weeks back. Uh, we're going to get into that issue and things we've learned from the, the, um, the U.S. attorneys we have talked to, Mr. Brady, Mr. Graves, Mr. Estrada, and how that relates to the work Mr. Weiss was doing in the Hunter Biden investigation. So people ask me all the time, Congressman, listeners and, and, and people that you know follow our conversations and things you say in other places too, and they say, what's the purpose of all of this? They say to me, okay, he's going to talk to you know, maybe Hunter Biden, maybe talk to David Weiss, you're going to gather all this information, and then do what with it? When you approach witnesses and, and uh, investigative decisions in these committees, do you have the end game in mind, this is what we want to find, and this is what will happen when we find it, or is it completely open-ended and open-minded? We don't know what we're going to get. We're just going to we're going to poke around and see what comes up, and then maybe we'll do something. Can you speak to that? Well, it, it, it's both. I mean, I, I will I will tell you. For example, when I uh, a week ago today, when I asked uh, Scott Brady in that deposition, I said after a couple hours of asking different questions, and we were we're going through it with our with our uh, lawyers. I just decided I was going to ask him. I said, "When did you learn about the laptop?" Because I, I started to get this feeling like the FBI never told him they had the laptop, and he didn't tell him. And yet he was the guy. The U.S. the the the, the the Attorney General for the United States had tasked with getting all information regarding Hunter Biden Ukraine. And the FBI's had the laptop, and they never tell the guy. So I asked him, and it was funny because he got sort of this smile on his face because he, he, we were tracking. He understood, like, they didn't. I found out when you found out when I was in the press, which is just astounding to me. So uh, sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. You sort of have a game plan. You have a, 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 an outline of questions you're going to ask. But sometimes you just you, you learn things that you just even surprise you. Um, now, the, the part of the goal is just getting the information is important. And I always point to, we, we uh, released a, uh, a report last week which talks about the IRS. The IRS is no longer making unannounced visits to American homes. And, and Danny Warfel, the commissioner of the IRS, said, that's because we're concerned about our agent safety. Well, that's baloney. The reason they did this is because we caught them knocking on Matt Taibbi's door while he was testifying in front of our committee. We caught them when they went to one of our constituents in Marion, Ohio, and the local police thought this guy was a scam artist. They were getting ready to arrest this guy, and they found out, no, no, he's actually an IRS agent coming in there on, on some power-hungry trip uh, saying things to this, this lady who had done any, uh, one of our constituents had done nothing wrong. So sometimes just by showing what ridiculous things are going on, you stop that kind of stuff from happening. There's no longer a disinformation governance board at the Department of Homeland Security because we caught him trying to tell Americans what they can say and what they can't say, for goodness sake. So there's benefit in and of that, and then there's the additional benefit when you dig in there and you may need to change policy and or uh, ultimately hold people accountable. That is a great answer, because that's what people are looking for. People ask me all the time, is it all talk or is there action behind it? And as you just pointed out, sometimes the just the talk, just the conversations and people knowing that you are on to them stops uh, some of the things that they are doing. Uh, Congressman, I want to talk about money very quickly here before I go to uh, Israel and what's going on on college campuses and uh, with pro-Hamas organizations targeting Jewish students and faculty. But briefly on the the uh, continuing resolution that was signed that uh, ultimately and approved, that was ultimately you know led to the... Uh, 
ouster of Speaker McCarthy. It expires on what, November 17th? So we're 18, 19 days. Do you know, and I don't know if you have spoken to the new Speaker or what the plans are, are we going to get 12 separate appropriations bills, which is what the goal was when Speaker, or uh, excuse me, when uh, uh, Mr. Gates did this? What do you think is going to happen between now and the 17th, and will we have uh, uh, the, the budget agreement made? I think there'll be a continuation, uh, some uh, additional stopgap spending measure. Now, I, I truthfully, we talked about this before, Bob. I hope it's long term. I know Speaker uh, Johnson has indicated he wants something into next year. He, he's mentioned two dates, January fifteenth or April fifteenth. Uh, I would prefer the longer date because I, I just think you want to kick it as long in the next year as possible. Because if you get it in the next year, there's an actual one percent cut that kicks in if we don't do our job, and I think that. That incentivizes the Congress to do what they're supposed to do, deal with each of these bills like we're supposed to, single-subject bill, focus on this area of the federal government, the funding levels for there. Because when you do that, you get much better scrutiny of what's actually in that legislation versus this one big giant mess of a bill called the omnibus. Um, so I, I, that's what I prefer, and I hope we go for the longer-term stopgap spending measure that gives us, I think, a much better chance to focus individually on these pieces of legislation, and we get better policy in there. And frankly, I think we get fewer earmarks in there uh, if we do it that way. So that's what I'm hoping we'll do. And I know, I know, Speaker Johnson is looking at that. Uh, let's hope that's uh, the direction that we can uh, we can end up going. I I can appreciate and understand the reasoning behind everything you just said. However, there are going to be those who say, "What? Another CR? A longer CR? I mean, this was again. This is what we walked right up to the moment of uh, government shutdown, and then did another CR, and, and that's what got everybody mad. That's why we had the chaos that we did. So you're going to have to try to sell a longer CR to people, and I guess you'll have to do what you just did with me. And uh, the question is, is will people be receptive to that? Well, this is this is actually what I ran on when I was when I was running for speaker, and I and I, I felt like the vast majority of the conference liked it because they they understood the incentive of having that 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 threat there of a one percent cut. Um, that that tends to focus uh, members in on, on on doing their job. Now there were some in the I think the appropriators who didn't like that, and that's I think one of the reasons that we didn't necessarily get the votes. But um, I do think it makes sense. Uh, and this is something that was built into the debt ceiling agreement several months ago. It's, it's why a handful of us conservatives went along with that debt ceiling because we said this is this is something that can actually change behavior in Washington and get us back to doing things the way we're supposed to, which we haven't, which hasn't happened in like 15 years. Um, so we'll see uh, as as we go forward. Uh, one last one on money. Speaker Johnson said he will plan, uh, pass. He believes that you'll be able to pass a standalone Israel aid bill in the House this week. Is, yes. Can you speak to that? And do you think it'll go through the Senate, or are they going to try to tie Ukraine to it? We, we met with some senators last week. I, I think there's a good chance um, there was a handful of us conservative guys that met with some conservative senators. They, they want the same thing. They want they want the standalone Israel package. Um, I think it's fourteen some odd billion dollars, which will help our our dearest and closest ally, the state of Israel. So we want to get that done as, as soon as possible. I think I think uh, Speaker Johnson is exactly right. Let's let's do that separate. Uh, let's let's figure out if there's ways we can pay for that additional funding. I think that that makes sense too. But let's get aid to Israel as quickly as possible. Not 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 muck it up with uh, with uh, any other any other uh, you know funding for anywhere else. Let's just focus on helping Israel right now because they're the ones who need it. Uh, briefly on Israel, um, uh, I, I continue to hear 
you know, they say that their support is supposed to be, uh, you know, for Israel, talking about Joe Biden and, and the Democrats, that their support is unequivocal. But they continue to equivocate. And they continue, I think, to be more influenced by the screamers on the squad. Some of your colleagues there screaming for ceasefire now, ceasefire now. It's a Gazan genocide by the Israelis and so forth. I got I got news stories in front of me from the New York Times that as the Gazans are starving and scrounging for food and water, Hamas has a rich trove of those things. It's not the Israelis that would be committing any type of acts against the Gazan people, the civilians there. It's literally all in Hamas's camp. Uh, you know, it's it's their decision on what happens here, and I'm not hearing that messaging coming from the Biden administration. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's, it's, it, it, it's uh, you know, it was the decision Hamas launched this evil attack on, on Israel. Um, Hamas is the, the, the entity that's been elected to, the, to run the, the, quote, government there, uh, a terrorist organization in Gaza, for goodness sake. So uh, I remember I spoke with uh, former Ambassador uh, David Friedman uh, a few weeks ago, when, right when this, this, this terrible stuff had just started. And he indicated, he says, you know, as this goes along, he says, we're going to need the time, the space, and the resources to, to do this right, to go kill these evil terrorists. And the time factor being the most important, because what always happens is once it's, Israel gets attacked, Israel responds, and then the international community, UN, and all these uh, folks say, oh, oh, it's time to scale back, it's time for ceasefire. And Israel's got like, no, we have to complete the job. We've got to stop these people so they can't do it to us again. Um, and that's what we've got to stay focused on. Give them the time and the resources to, to complete this mission and to win and win decisively and go kill these, these terrorists. Yeah, and, and it's just so important. There's a video right now of the leader of Hamas, Ismail Haneyeh, who, uh, who is literally calling for the blood sacrifice of the Gazan civilians. He said, and I quote, we need the blood of women, children, and the elderly of Gaza so as to awaken our revolutionary spirit. In other words, we need them to die at the hands of Israelis as collateral damage because we can then stack up their bodies and say, look at what they did to us, and that will justify everything that they do in trying to wipe Israel off the map. So that's the, this is, this is, killing these evil terrorists is not only good for Israel and the rest of the world, it's good for the people in Gaza, the, the people who weren't, who aren't part of the terrorist activity. It's good for them, and that's what we need to remember, and that's why Israel needs to be given the time and the space and the resources to get this done right. Last thing, sir, can we do anything about these pro-Hamas students here on visas, foreign nationals here on the grace, grace of, uh, graciousness of the, uh, the American people? They're here studying and they're chanting in support of terrorists. That makes them terrorist sympathizers. They're here on visas. Can we do something to get them report, uh, deported? Well, we're looking at legislation. In fact, I got, a, I got uh, some legislation. A colleague sent it to me yesterday that we're looking at, and we got the staff looking at that. We think can be helpful in this area. And it, when you're, particularly when you're talking about people who aren't citizens of the United States, there's no, they have no First Amendment right to say something that 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 disgusting and, and, and thick. Uh, so if they're not citizens, they're, they're, I think we can. And this is something that uh, we're, we're we're looking at possible legislation that we could uh, we could address and, and get passed. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, best of luck to you this week. You got a lot of important work to do. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.